Sylvia Hastanon is the CEO and founder of Greater Good Health. She has spent her career trying to fix healthcare, aiming to address rising costs and uneven quality. With almost two decades of healthcare experience, Sylvia brings her talent for marrying clinical and business operations to Greater Good Health and translating that union into value. Most recently, Sylvia served as an executive in residence and advisor at Optum Ventures. Before that, she led Optum's Office for Provider Advancement as Vice President of Clinical Strategy. Sylvia graduated from the University of Pennsylvania with a focus on healthcare management, fusing disciplines at both the Nursing School and Wharton School of Business. If you enjoy this conversation, please hit the subscribe button. Now let's join the conversation as Sylvia recounts her own path to a successful entrepreneurial life. Hi, I'm Rishi Sika, co-host of Day Zero, and thrilled to be joined here today with Sylvia Hastanat, CEO and founder of Greater Good Health, making a tremendous impact in the space of access and equity using advanced practitioners in healthcare. Sylvia, excited to have you here on Day Zero. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rishi. Sylvia, I know we want to dive into the story on Greater Good Health, which, as I've just mentioned, is really one around access and equity and fairness at its heart from a purpose perspective. So much of that story and that purpose actually comes from your your growing up and bringing that forward. I was hoping you could just share just a little bit about that with our listeners, just a little bit about the growing up, some of those experiences, because I think it'll resonate when we talk later about Greater Good Health. Yeah, I grew up in a town outside of Los Angeles, single mom from first generation from Asia. And it wasn't all that easy. She was sandwiched between generations she was taking care of and then generations she was raising here in the U.S. And we saw our struggles with healthcare, barriers, cultural barriers. I always have wondered, would I have known my grandmother or my great-grand-uncle longer if we had better assets and just knew how to navigate the system better? And that, that sense of fairness, equity, and just the right to healthcare has always been embodied in me and important throughout my career. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I know that piece on healthcare actually is something you carried forward to probably your your first sort of part of your professional journey, which was which was your education. Shout out to Penn, to Wharton. Yeah, and, no Quakerners. <laughs> and you have a unique background, both clinical, going to nursing school and going to Wharton. And I, I love the statement you had said to me earlier that very early on you decided in healthcare it was important to follow the money. I just wanted to go deeper into that and how you approached your education and then actually some of your first career moves afterwards. Sure, yeah. At the risk of sounding like I knew it all back in in the 90s, which I didn't, I think I just saw a pattern of physicians going back to school and getting their MBAs. I'm not sure physicians really knew why they were doing that either. But I think what we were seeing was just more of a business-minded need around healthcare that you couldn't really just practice medicine. You really had to think about reimbursement, rev cycle, patient acquisition, and the livelihood of your practice and not just just taking this up to take care of good patients, which is what we want our clinicians to focus on, but it's not the way it is. Healthcare is a business. And when I decided to go to Penn and do this program that sort of combined nursing and business principles, it just felt right for the time and graduated and ended up just immersing myself in clinical operations, clinical strategy, and just looking at healthcare at a macro level. Yeah. And you had then the opportunity to think about things on that broader scale and systematic changes in a senior role at healthcare partners. And 
love the elements that you had shared with me earlier about that you were in a spot in healthcare partners, an iconic organization with respect to value-based care. You were in an, in a spot where you were doing things that were innovative. So a startup piece to it, you were scaling. And, and I also loved how you brought an academic sense to the work that you were doing and an academic mission almost of that academic rigor. I hope yeah. you could just actually talk a little bit about that healthcare partners experience. Yes, I joined Healthcare Partners a long time ago, back in 07. I joked that it was when there weren't commercially available risk stratification tools. There was no digital platform, anything, right? There was barely any Bluetooth. We were still like clipping the Bluetooth speakerphones into the visor of our cars. I don't know if you remember that. They weren't built into the cars yet. We were plugging in like really large Phillips scales into the phone jacks in the walls and it was like shooting up beta tech manager, like in the internet. And we didn't know really how that happened, but it was back when it was still pretty analog and there weren't a lot of these really cool. Now we see these innovations. There wasn't a huge investor community behind value-based care and primary care delivery, health services, digital platforms, digital health, that we see today. Um, there, what we had available to us were academic studies. So we went out to John Hopkins and up to OHSU and study Eric Coleman's transition model, Mary Naylor's transition right. model out of the hospital and just looked at what are people testing and experimenting with and can we move from academia to commercial and, and make it real and operational and scale it. And what did that mean in tweaking? The academic models are tested in this nice protected incubated condition and it's different in the real world. And when you've got like payers and contracts and benefit design and limitations of resources, but that's what we did. Yeah, that's great. And we're going to see in just a few moments, because like you said, we never have our life planned out, but it's going to sound like a really clean story. Yeah. <laughs> All of that is so important to Greater Good Health. But before we get to Greater Good Health, another iconic organization, which you had a chance to be a part of, so you had the strategy and the operations and clinical piece, and then you went into capital allocation and worked with Optum Ventures. And at Optum Ventures, there, there were two realizations you had. One um, professional about, I think, an opportunity in the market. Like so many of us, as we went through the pandemic and everything like that, there were also some personal reflections. And hoping you could talk a little bit about both. Yeah, in the middle of the pandemic, it was 2020. I was coming off of my third maternity leave with my, my last daughter, Anison, and I was just thinking, if I was going to go back to work, it was, all of us were thinking this, right? You're going to balance the time away from your family, the time away from the things we got accustomed to during the pandemic at home and making sure that what you were going back to is really valuable, impactful, and filled your cup. And I think I just paused like everyone else did and thought about it. I ended up leaving Optum and my role there at Optum Corporate and joined Optum Ventures. For a few reasons, I've always been intrigued by the startup world and the investor community. I participated in some of light diligence here and there for funds who were looking for experts in the payer provider space. And I thought it would be a really unique opportunity to learn from one of the, one of the most interesting sort of healthcare-oriented strategic funds. And so I joined up in Ventures at their EIR, their executive in residence, and was exposed to a ton of different things, loved working with the management team uh, at, within the portfolio companies at Austin Ventures, but also learned a lot about investing, 
what valuations look like. I didn't know the difference between a Series A and a Series B, and still, arguably, don't know as much as the difference. But the but I think what I was seeing professionally was just a pattern that a lot of investors in this is 2020, 2021, that a lot of investors were starting to invest in value-based care. In the world I lived in, right, like in taking risks on patients and financial risks on senior patients, managing their medical loss ratio, building platforms, telehealth, in-home programs, primary care solutions. And that was really exciting because it was a lot of the work I was doing in-house for big corporate companies and to see that there was all this innovation and excitement and investment out here in the world around innovating in that space was really cool. And and as I was advising these management teams, I noticed I was turning to the advice of using nurse practitioners a lot as, as a resource to help get in the home, to follow up on patient care plans and medication management or whatever, whatever it was. And I turned to some folks and say, somebody should really build a platform to get around this workforce that's behind the wings, maybe overlooked and underutilized and, and wrap our arms around NPs, especially with all the tailwinds of state legislation changing, the primary care shortage of physicians coming out of med school, the burnout or retirement issue. Um, we're having, and then this like influx of seniors who are aging into Medicare and choosing Medicare Advantage. And you kind of have to be careful, like when you point out these needs, because then someone said, you're it, Sylvia. And, and that's how they defend health essentially got started. That's great. And then you became it. And that was the genesis yeah. of Greater Good. So tell us about Greater Good Health. Tell us about what you're doing and the impact you're making, both for both for nurse practitioners and then both for the community and the market. Yeah, sure. So Greater Good Health was founded essentially to empower nurse practitioners. So we are a medical group and platform for NPs. We focus on primary care and seniors today. And we center on being the employee. We want to be the employer of choice for nurse practitioners. So I think in the seats I've had in my career, I've worked for pre-physician-centric organizations and have watched as we've used NPs to augment and supplement physicians in a practice, expand their panels and see more patients and provide better care. I think it's time that NPs can come out from the wings, out from the shadows, and really be primary care of record. And And states are allowing that to happen. And so what I do think is missing, though, is thoughtfulness around their rewards, their professional development, training around value-based care, a culture and community that protects burnout prevention, isolation in the workplace, and really level levels up nurse practitioners to work at top of license. And we and we work with at-risk organizations. So we work with health plans, provider groups, enablement companies, and we help them manage their patients. And then we also have this cool opportunity that we're building against this year to launch our own practices with nurse practitioners as primary care of record in a state that is allowing this with a national health plan in an MA product. And so we have three practices we're preparing to open by fall of this year with MPs at the center of it, which we're really excited about. As you look back on on the journey a little bit in, in greater good health, what were some of the things that surprised you or some of the things that 
you know, you had to do or change with respect to your own personal growth or development as a leader? Yeah, when and I came from a corporate environment, you don't realize that you're almost playing the protected playpen of sorts, right? And then you come out of this type playpen and it's like a different world. And what I mean by that is uh, building a company from scratch is certainly something they don't teach you in school, certainly nothing that you, even at the biggest, best, most, most well-capitalized companies out there, you wouldn't learn. And so that has been a real big learning curve for me and also really rewarding going from nothing and then slowly building up infrastructure, teams, people, culture, vision, inspiring people to follow you and building that up at a scalable pace. And so I think like the biggest piece of that build is is pacing. That was the hardest thing for me was understanding like you know what it what it wants to look like at the end because we I've worked there. I've worked at a really great Optum's a really great reputable company and likely in my head I have an, I have an analog to what that should look like. But I'm starting from ground zero. So how fast do I get there? What are the building blocks? Do I invest in this or this? And then when? And who comes first? And so I think that pacing is probably the biggest learning piece I'd identify in the last couple of years. Um, the other is just the, the value of relationships has just been validated completely in this whole process. Because you think about building a company and a brand and a message from scratch, Sure, I can convince you that there's a need, there's a demand, a supply issue, and we're filling that need. But also, I think like the relationships I've built and my team comes with and has built in our reputations and in our word and our experience and backgrounds all mean something. And so I knew this going into it, but it's just really validating when you have nothing essentially behind you, that you're, that those relationships your your personal brand really does matter. We've got high inflation. We've got high interest rates. Unpredictable macroeconomic environment. Are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? How is sort of this sort of a broader economic environment either affected how you lead or how you think or how you're thinking about key decisions for your organization? Yeah, it's challenging. Your question's timely. I think I, I'll just that I think I probably started this company at the exact wrong time. It was as the bubble was bursting around digital health, it was post-COVID. And I think there was a lot of investment in, in digital health and primary care and in all this innovation, which was great to see as I described, but I think um, we're seeing sort of the results of maybe over-investing in some of those promises. And I raved at a time, my first round, and then also this round I'm in now, during a time when, it, you know, people are holding their purse strings a little tighter. I think investors are looking for real companies who have real people, real outcomes, track record, product market fit, and, and have ex experienced management teams. Luckily, we fit a lot of those, we check a lot of those boxes, but it's not easy because folks are, we're early and there's a lot of things that we still have to prove and, and we are spending and we are spending money. We do have a burn. And so 
So those are the tricky pieces is really finding investors who are convicted on the model and what we're trying to solve for that we're the team to build against it and to change, to, to make huge changes and waves here. And luckily we have really great partners who are building these practices with us and, and deploying us in their infrastructure today. And so those names and relationships help us too. What can you share with our listeners are the next 12 to 24 months of greater good health going to bring for the organization, for, for nurse practitioners and for impact in the community? Well, we still have a lot to build around being the community and employer of choice for nurse practitioners. It's a big focus area. That's our institute, which is focused around learning and development. That's the value proposition and all the reward benefits, programming was turned on, professional development tracks and leadership and partnership programming, our culture and community. Those are all things that we've just started to put the pieces together and to answer for what it is NPs are looking for in a fulfilling career, in a great place to work. And so that's going to be a huge chunk of, of the next 12 months. I'd say we're also really heads down in building our brand around primary care and and providing that expanded access to primary care in these communities where these clinics are going to be live later this year. And so the innovation here, that white the white space here is like really thinking about what goes inside the primary care clinic, all the systems, the care teams, and and resources that'll make nurse practitioners thrive as primary care providers. NPs are used all the time in primary care. I see one today. Most of those apps in 2.0 primary care startups are using nurse practitioners. And that care model redesign, that technology stack, the all the ins and outs and policies features and workflows around that are going to be really fun to figure out. And we're heads down in the midst of that right now, ahead of open, but I think that'll continue to evolve. We hope to get to a playbook where we have that secret sauce and what this should look like and then scale it so that in, especially in communities where, and we tend to be in communities where physicians are not going back and practicing. So not South Florida, not Los Angeles, not New York, San Francisco, Chicago, but in these communities, these more tier two markets or mezzanine markets, we call them, where there's a real access issue and patients are waiting six plus months to see a physician, senior patients with, you know, multiple chronic conditions, polypharmic and waiting that long to see a physician. And so we, we think those are the markets that will be the best for us in terms of fit and we can provide more access to those patients and nurse practitioners will get leveled up and I suspect have more fulfilling careers as providers. That is so tremendous what the future holds and a clear continuation of some of the earlier themes, not just from this, from our conversation, but from your background about fairness, equity, and access, how you're really making that real and supporting an entire community around that. If you could speak to your younger self, and there was one piece of advice or something you wish you could say earlier on when you were starting your career. What might that be as you kind of look back at this sort of moment in, in what will certainly be a long and great and impactful career? As my kids get older, I might repeat this to them that don't let people say no to you and don't let that, don't let that stop you from doing what you think is right or where you want, what you want to pursue. 
I think I was told no a lot. Maybe not in a harmful way. My my Asian Chinese mom saying, be a doctor, be a lawyer, and growing up that way and and feeling okay to say, that's not the right path. I think I want to do something else. And then in my career, I think a lot of had really supportive leaders that I've learned a ton from, but then I've had some that, you know, uh, were a little more stifling. And, and I think pushing through those things, I would have told myself to keep pushing through the no and those barriers a little harder than maybe I did as I was learning how to gain my own confidence and gain my own voice as I got older. Yo, I am so excited about how your work around supporting a community and raising up their ability to practice to the top of their license and then using that community to deliver you know, fairness, equity, access, to use your words, from earlier in your background, in your career, in value-based care and to underserved communities. This is going to be an awesome journey. And I can't wait to hear what the next months and the next years bring for you and greater good health. Sylvia, thank, thank you, you so much for joining us here on Day Zero. Thank you for everything you're doing. This is Day Zero, a podcast by Think Media. Subscribe to Day Zero on your favorite podcasting app or platform.